Hi, this is Celia Suntala from uh, Southeastern Finland University of Applied Sciences, and we are here today to discuss about e-service learning and the project Creative Communities First that we have just or uh, are about to wrap up here. I'm here today with my colleague Minna Porvari uh, from XAMK as well, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing thoughts and hopefully inspiring some nice discussions about the subject, which is very current in today's Europe. Okay, so let's start. Celia, why is e-service learning a thing to think about these days? Um, I will answer that question from a few perspectives. First of all, uh, co-creation, creativity, innovation, including very much social innovation. I think we all know that those are really current things in today's society. Uh, and a big thing for all of us is the landscape in Europe, which has changed considerably uh, in the last year due to the Ukrainian war. And we're in a situation where a lot of things that we have considered taken for or for granted have to be questioned. And uh, of course, we are dealing with the big challenges, global challenges like the climate change, the need for sustainability and sustainable solutions. And I think those sorts of megatrends are things that are definitely linked with our need to constantly think about and renew our thinking and renew the very basic things and values that we think about. And digitalization, of course. I think the corona crisis has been a great example, even though, of course, it was a real disaster and a horrible thing from many, many perspectives. But if we'll try to look at some of the good sides, it certainly has increased like and actually brought into daily practice the way we use technology and t distant technologies. I don't think any strategy could have done it as quickly and as strongly as the crisis. We were forced to use technology and we know that much of the changes uh, are use of digital technologies to communicate beyond national borders and, and even within national borders, of course, has increased and we just look at it uh, in different ways. I have to add to that that Sometimes I call it uh, when global networks came to our living room. Like before, there was just this mental barrier of uh, calling or being in contact with somebody outside our national bo borders. But now, since we've been used to going distant, having our teams meetings to basically our neighbors, it has sort of lowered the threshold to contact just as well anybody from anywhere around the world really. So it's not just a, a cognitive thing of getting used to using teams or something. It's a mental barrier that we have overcome in many ways and, and that is a definite um, improvement uh, and that opens up a lot of possibilities. Um, but at the same time, I think especially this war in in Europe also definitely questions the crisis uh, or values. Uh, and Europe is definitely at a stage where we have to 
strengthen our togetherness. And despite technology sort of forcing us being individual, perhaps apart, we need to refine the common values and keep discussing and thinking about what they actually mean in our daily lives. Okay, thank you, Celia. What practical advice would you give to enable positive change and solutions to some of the challenges you just described? Uh, I think it's obvious that there's no one simple solution, but it's really a complex set of uh, solutions that we need to come up with. And what I think is important is that we have to look at them on all different levels of our society, starting from individuals to uh, our organizations, to our regions, national level, European level and beyond. We shouldn't forget the rest of the world when we discuss these things. Uh, I think it's a lot about also whenever there is big changes, it comes down to empowering more and more people because in the end, democracy depends on people taking responsibility for their actions and for their uh, thinking, so to speak. So I think that's like sometimes in the Western world, I think we have become used to everything being well, maybe the government takes care of this and this and this and that, and we take a lot of things for granted. But in when we are faced with this great challenges, we can't really do that anymore. It really demands a lot more from individuals. Say the whole green climate change and green transition. It's, it's not something that can be led by anybody and then everybody will do it. It really demands our each individual's thinking of, is it really important that I get that new and new stuff? It's this whole, uh, usedness to consumption, to really excess consumption in many cases, I'm not saying everything, uh, we have to question, is that really what makes us happy or, or what is it that makes us happy? And taking again, coming back to that discussion on values and what is really important and meaningful, what makes my life and everybody else's life meaningful? And we realize that we're not alone in this world. Everybody else's happiness reflect on our happiness too. It's very difficult to be the only one that is happy and everybody else is really miserable. It doesn't work that way because we're social beings and so forth. Um, I think a good example is the Maslow pyramid of needs where the bottom line is like, well, our basic, you know, we need, all of us need a place to stay, some food, like a basic things in life are okay for survival. But according to many surveys, uh, after a certain stage of having basic income and, you know, having the basic things in life okay, the correlation between earning more or having more money actually lessens and lessens. So after that, there are different things in lives that that seem to become important and support our feeling of meaningfulness and happiness, which again, have not so much to do with resources. We all understand that we need money to function and do things and that enables us to do different kinds of things, but to what extent, and it's not after a certain point, so closely related to the uh, feelings of meaningfulness and happiness. So I think in our Western world that has been so focused on financial 
competitiveness and financial doing this and that and enabling. I think we need to sort of step back and think, are those really the, the only indicators or measurements that we should value life through? So I think that was not any simple answer to your question, but I think the whole thing is complex and it does start from everybody's own thinking. I think we should include these kinds of thinking and values when we do anything in our work or many of us are development uh, oriented people or in educational institutions especially. We have to think of what we actually teach. Are we teaching things or are we teaching how to learn and how to be open and how to actually like ponder about these kinds of things. So I think that is where it starts from. And I could add that a really good old friend of mine <clears throat> who was the founder and longtime artistic director of a festival in Finland, big one, always said that how could he like one single person, obviously, with some very close colleagues, build such a huge festival in the city of Pori. You know, the festival brings in in probably as much people as the whole city has inhabitants. Um, so he always said, like, it's just about, you know, really having passion for something and just sort of doing it. That especially his opinion was that he called a certain group of people, he called them chair people, meaning that they their most important thing in life was to hold on to the chair they were sitting on in an organization and making sure nobody came close and so forth. And usually those people answer when you're like, well, why do you think it like that? It doesn't work. They We've always done it like this. We're not going to change for any one person who comes and says we should do it differently. So I think it's really getting away from that chairperson mentality and being instead of it's not possible, we've altered it in that way to be, oh, why not? Why couldn't we do it like that? Let's try and so forth. So attitude, swift and certain like passion to just go for what you think is right and what would make life better. Okay, so what about the creative and cultural industries? What is and could be their role in this change? That's a really good question. Uh, I think we've seen in the last 10, 20 years, like a really big rise in how the creative and cultural industries have been noted in different level strategies and policy programs. Uh, I think the first sort of initiatives towards that direction came with the rise of digital economy, which enable content production, digital content production and distribution in totally different ways. So that was like one point where it was recognized that, hey, this creative and cultural industries actually are really uh, like important, not just size-wise, but also because of their nature of being sort of trailblazers. Um, <clears throat> that said, I do think we have challenges in still like finding like the the real reasons to why creative and cultural industries are important. Still today, in many strategies, they're 
they're looked at as something to add competitiveness to other sectors. Yes, that's true. We know that using design or branding or visualization or things like this are definitely something from the creative industries that by nature can add just competitiveness to other sectors. But I think we sort of fall into our own trap by again looking and measuring at the added values of creative and cultural industries if we only look at them through the old evaluation system and measures, which is again money. We all need, like I said before, money to do something and to produce those contents and to produce art. But again, that if that is left as the only measurement, then we're really losing a big part of what arts and culture is for. I think especially describing the challenges that I did just a while ago, arts and culture has a lot to give when we talk about values, meanings, and sort of abstract things that we that where there is no one right or wrong answer, but we have to sort of sub, uh, describe different scenarios of futures and how we want it or describe different current situations in how I feel they are even it's not always backed by science we need science but we also need our just human ways to understand and think about matters that we don't have the exact scientific answers for and besides our world moves so fast that if we wait for science to prove something the real thing has many times just it's over and done with we lose the game because we're way too uh, slow so i think arts and culture really can offer us a way to communicate and make visible and touchable or sensible uh, things that really our very rational oriented society is lacking or is in need of. So I think that is probably one of the biggest things the arts and cultural sector can yield. And not to forget uh, the aspects of social inclusion, how by doing arts we share what we think of these without actually perhaps using words or with using symbolism or stories as analogies of of the points in different things. So I think that arts can definitely bring a certain skill, if I would pick one thing, a certain skill to look at the whole picture, but at the same time be able to work on details. Just like a painter is painting a picture, he's always every now and then he has to take a few steps back to look at how the whole picture is taking form. And then he'll go back and work on the details again. So we need that ability to see the forest for the trees because our world is changing so fast that unless we constantly use that ability, then we are pretty sure, you know, getting lost somewhere in the details. So that pretty much, I suppose, summing it up. And if I come back to our day's um, topic, e-service learning, I think it's one framework or tool of how we can think of how educational institutions can currently update and refresh their thinking and ways of doing, and at the same time, serve other sectors in society, because we do live in this world together. I don't think in this kind of world, we can't afford that everybody does everything from start to beginning in their own little bubbles. 
but we have to also have the common platform, even though everybody would have their own perspectives and focus points, of course, but we need a common bubble, so to speak. Yes, thank you, Celia, and thank you for listening. Thank you.